Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. In Allah's class of Seerah, we're looking at Surah Al-Duha, the 11th set of verses to reveal to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And last week, we covered in the introduction to Surah Al-Duha, to Surah Al-Duha, what we always cover, which is first and foremost, Sabab Al-Nuzul, the cause of revelation of Surah Al-Duha. Secondly, we covered Mawdu' Al-Surah, the topics of the Surah. And we mentioned the three topics of the Surah. And the three topics of the Surah, as we mentioned last week, who could remember them? The three topics of the Surah. The first is, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَالْدُّحَى وَالْلَيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى The first topic of the Surah is a defense from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of His Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى your Lord has not left you, forsaken you, nor does your Lord hate you. So the first topic of the surah was to defend the Prophet ﷺ from a rumor that was being spread by Ummu Jameel when the Prophet ﷺ did not get up for prayers two or three nights and Jibril did not come to him. That she said to him, لا أرى إن أن شيطانك القلاك. I do not see except your shaitan has forsaken you, abandoned you, and hated you. So this is a defense from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this defense, we find it from ayah 1 to ayah number 5. And the second mawdu of the surah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds the Prophet what he was upon from childhood and the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon him. That he was an orphan and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him refuge. And that's found the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Alam yadidka yatiman fa'awa. Did you not find you as an orphan and gave you? Refuge and also that the Prophet was jahilan, he was unaware of certain things, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him those things. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He found you unaware, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he guided you. And reminds of the Allah ta'ala reminds of his favor that the Prophet did not have, and Allah ta'ala made himself sufficient. And this topic, topic number two, is covered from ayah number six to eight. And the last mawdu' of the surah is Allah Ta'ala obligated upon the Prophet to be grateful by following the wasaya, the advice and instructions of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. And the instruction of Allah Ta'ala to the Prophet to reflect his gratefulness is what? To be kind to the orphans and not to repel or shout at one who ask or one who begs. And we find this the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَى وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَى وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثِ So these are the three mudu' of the surah. After the surah itself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, بَعْدَ عُوذِ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ begins with, بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ وَالدُّحَى Allah Ta'ala, he swears by Abduha. And when there's a Qasim, when there's a swearing, comes after is what? Jawab al-Qasim, the purpose of swearing. So Allah Ta'ala begins with Wadduha. I swear by Duha. What is Abduha? Abduha is translated as the forenoon. The ulama of Tafsir, they say Abduha al-Nahar kullu. Some of the scholars of Tafsir, they say Abduha is the whole daytime, the daytime hour, all of it. Not just the forenoon. Some other ulama, they say, Al-Duha is that which is mentioned in some translation, the forenoon. 
En ce mode, ulama, c'est al-duha, salatu al-duha. That duha is salatu al-duha. So which one do we choose here? Based on the principle which you learn from tafsir, we repeat many times again that Ibn Uthaymi, rahimahullah ta'ala, mentions that any text that has been related from the Quran or from the Sunnah that has two possible interpretations none of it of the two texts has preference over the other or stronger than the other nor does one negate the other or contradict the other what do we do? we accept all of the interpretations so therefore, what duha could mean by the forenoon, the whole of the daylight hours, and salatu duha. And this shows the excellences of the forenoon, the daylight hours, and what else? Salatu duha. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the principles he learned, he does not swear or make an oath by anything, except due to the greatness of that thing. So this shows the excellence of these three things. And we mentioned some of the excellences of Salat al-Duha. I want to pause on the issue of Salat al-Duha a little while. That when it comes to acts of ibadat, the first thing we come with is Dalil al-Mashru'iyah. The proof of Salat al-Duha. Where is the proof of Salat al-Duha? Min al-Qur'an wa sunnah. Secondly, we want to look at the excellences of Salat al-Duha. And lastly, how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prays Salat al-Duha. After the proof of Salat al-Duha, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, he mentions that Malzilto Abhathu and Mustanadin Fikitabilla and Salat al Duha. I continue to search for evidence from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning Salatu al Duha. Hatta wajetu kawlahu ta'ala until I came across the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna sakharna ma'ahul jibal, yusabihna bil ashiyi wal ishraq. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about Dawood alayhi salam. Allah Ta'ala said, we made the mountains, and this is Surah Al-Sad, verse 18, I think. We made the mountains subjected to him. That they sang with Dawood, the praise of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, and they exhorted Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, Bil Ashi, at what time? The late afternoon, Wal Ishraq. And Ishraq is what? After sunrise. So even Abbas, عنهما, from this ayah, he said, this is the proof of Salatu Duha. So Ibn Abbas anhuma, he used to call Salatu Duha Salatu Ishraq. Salatu Ishraq. As for the excellence of Salatu Duha, it's also found in the ayah that precedes this ayah. But because, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, before he mentioned that the mountain was subjected to Dawood, what did Allah ta'ala mention before this? Wadhkur abdana Dawood dhul Remember our servant Dawood who had much power, possessor of power. What did Allah Ta'ala describe with? Innahu awwab. He was often repenting to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, so Salat excellent Salat al-Duha, is that Salat al-Duha, Salat al-Awwabin, is the prayer of those who repent regularly to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. That's the first excellence of Salat al-Duha. As for the other excellences of Salat al-Duha, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, that uh, Ibn Adam 316 The son of Adam He has 360 joints in his body And for every single joint in your body They should be given a sadaqah 
a charity. Because there are those who wake up, as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, He wakes up and there's a charity upon each and every single joint. There are those that wake up paralyzed from the neck downwards. They can't move their neck. Some can't move their tongue. So the fact Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving the ability to move these joints upon is a sadaqah. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Every single tasbih he does, subhanallah, is a sadaqah. كل تهليل every statement of لا إله إلا الله is a صدقة وكل تكبير every الله أكبر which it does is a صدقة in order to pay the 360 صدقة then the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said he could accomplish all of this بركعتي من الضحى just to pray صلاة الضحى to show the excellence of صلاة الضحى and likewise we mentioned the advice of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم to Abu Huraira, which Abu Huraira mentioned, my beloved, advise me with three. And I should never leave them. And what is those three things? To fast three days of the month, the white days, 13th, 14th, and 15th of each month. The two raka'ah of duha. And to pray witr before I sleep. Likewise, al-Sahabi, radiallahu anhu, called Itban ibn Malik. He wanted to take a place in his house as a musalla, a prayer place. So he wanted the barakah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi So he told the Prophet please come and pray there so I could take it as a place of prayer. And the time that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi chose to go and pray there, nafla was what? Salat al-duha. Salat al-duha. Now, how did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi pray Salat al-duha? Some of the ulama, they say Salat al-Duha means Sunnah al-Qawliyah. And from the Sunnah, which are the statements of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Not from his actions. Not from his actions. Why do they say this? They say because the Prophet sallallahu rarely prayed Salat al-Duha. Rarely. Some other scholars go as far as saying the Prophet sallallahu never prayed Salat al-Duha. Never. And the reason we have these true different opinions is based on the hadith of Fathu Makkah that when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did Fathu Makkah he prayed eight rak'ah at the time of duha because duha could be two he prayed another two like any nafla they said he prayed this as salatu shukur as salatu shukur for the conquest of Makkah and not duha in of itself and also there's a hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha in which she mentioned that ما ترك رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ركعتي من الضحى في بيته قط. She said the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم never left the salat al-duha, never. But in a hadith of Muslim Aisha رضي الله عنها also mentioned the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم never prayed salat al-duha. The hadith, the first one which I mentioned, they say this hadith is munkar, is rejected. As for the second hadith in which Aisha رضي الله عنها mentioned he never prayed duha, this is sahih. However, this is according to the knowledge of who? Aisha radiallahu anha. But we have Fathu Makkah. We also have the incident with the Sahabi radiallahu anha. So the ulama therefore say that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he prayed duha but very rarely. However, he advised the ummah to pray salatu al-duha. Because the sunnah of two types. Sunnah fi'liyah, sunnah based on the actions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sunnah al-qawliyah. Based on the statements of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-Muhim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, due to the excellence of duha, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by a duha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wadduha. Wallayli idha saja. And then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by the night. As it saja. A saja here means becomes dark or still or covers everything in darkness. Now, what do we notice about those two qasam? Allah ta'ala says, Wadduha. And then says, Wallayli. What do we notice here? And we covered this before in the tafsir we did before this tafsir. What do we notice there? Barakallahu feek. Jazakallahu khairan. The contrast between the day and the night. He swears by the day and swears by night. In the same way, Surah Al-Layl, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he swears by mutadadayn, two opposing things, mutabayinayn. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by two opposing things. Now the question is this, why? We know the reason why in Surah Al-Layl. And what is the reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by Wal-Layl? Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swear by two opposing things? We find the answer in the answer or the reason of the Qasam. That in the same way that these two things, the night and the day, the sun, sorry, the, the evil soul, the good soul, the same way these things are opposite of each other, your efforts are diverse. So likewise, if we look now, what is the jawabul qasam? What is the cause of swearing? We'll find the answer of why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swear by two opposing things. So where's the jawabul qasam in Surah Al-Duha? Where's the answer? Ayla. Where's the jawabul qasam? Wadduha. Well, the job of Qasim comes immediately after the Qasim. And the Qasim always starts with wa 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 wa. Ma wadda'aka rabbuka wa ma qala. Your Lord has not left you, forsaken you. Nor does he hate or despise you. Yes? These two things, are they contrast of one another? Leaving and hating? Are they contrast? Because in the translation you, you, you uh, read, what does it say in the translation? Left you. Yeah? So you. Huh? Forsaken or left? Forsaken or hated. Or hated you. So the translators, what da'a as to forsake or to leave. Al wida'a, the word wida'a, which wada'a, the verb comes from, yakun bayn al muhibbin. Is something that happens between people that love each other. Whereas hatred, is it something that happens between two people that love each other? No, they hate each other. Because qala means to hate. That's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in the hadith, although the hadith is weak, but linguistically we could benefit from it. In which he said to Ali radiallahu anhu, La yuhibbuka illa mu'min. Nobody will love you except for a believer. Wala Use the word qala. Nobody will have qala of you, hatred of you, except for a munafiq. So, al-wida' is something that happens between two beloved people. Can two beloved people forsake each other, leave each other? La. Al-wida' the correct translation is what? Is what? When the Prophet wants to go on a journey and he wants to bid farewell to the person going on the journey, what is the dua? What is the du'a? 
astawdi'ukumullah aha wa astawdi'ukallah dinaka aha wa amanatik wa khawatim amalika i bid you farewell and entrust your deen your amanah that which is in place in your trust and the end of your actions or the silly actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so when you bid somebody farewell that you love you do not forsake him don't say I'm leaving you you say وَدِعُكُمْ from وَدَعَ I bid you farewell you don't say I'm abandoning you I'm forsaking you that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defending the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said he did with lutf with gentleness that your Lord has not forsaken you He's not forsaking you. And that's why the Sha'ir, he said, He didn't say, Because there's some between two people. I bid you farewell with tears in my eyes. I bid you farewell, and you are as precious to me as my eyes. And if we to never meet upon the face of the earth again. We hope to meet in the abode of the hereafter that lasts forever. In which the beloved will live with his beloved. So the minute that I am, your Lord is not forsaking you. And what's the opposite of it? Nor does he hate you and despise you. And that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala aqsama bi mutadadain. He swear by two opposing things. Wallayli idha saja. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and this is jawab qasam. Ma wadda'aka rabbuka wala wa ma qala. And after this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that, what's the next ayah? Wala al-akhiratu khayrun laka min al-ula. That the akhirah is better for you than what is Al-Akhirah? Al-Akhirah linguistically means a stage. That's another meaning. There's two meanings. There's a hereafter. Meaning the after the life of this world. And some say a stage. So therefore the stage that is going to become, that's going to come next is going to be better for you. After this period of break in Wahi. And some of the ulama, they say it means the hereafter. As our Shaykh here has mentioned. And this is the nearest meaning. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said about this dunya Mali dunya What is of me and the dunya? Inna mathali wa mathalu dunya The likes of me and the likes of dunya Kamathali raqib Is that the example of the rider Yastadhillu tahta shajara Wa qala tahta shajara Qala tahta shajara It takes qaylula under a tree Siesta under the tree Thumma qam wa taraka He stands up and he leaves this is the dunya za'ira. This is the reality of the dunya. That you just rest for a while and you move on. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to show this dunya is nothing, he said about this dunya, لو كانت الدنيا تعدل عند الله جناح بعوضة ما سقى الكافر شربة الماء وكأس من الماء. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, if this dunya, you see this dunya, everything you see. And here, you go to the pearl. I went to the pearl the other day. I thought I had seen cars. You see cars, you see wealth, you see buildings. Cars I've never seen before. And this is just here, in this country. But the whole dunya, the cars of it, the women of it, the houses of it, the monies of it. If it was equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
to the wing of a what? What's a ba'uda? A mosquito. The mosquito itself has no value or even any weight. So what about the wing of the mosquito? That if it was equal, it meant in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the wing of a mosquito, it will not give the disbeliever a glass of water to drink. So this dunya za'ila. So therefore, walal akhirah khayrun laka mil al-ula. That the hereafter is better for you than the life of this world. Also, concerning this dunya. This dunya is nothing. And there's many ahadith relating that this dunya is nothing. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَلَا سَوْفَ Sofa in Arabic means what? Soon. And lam here means what? Qasam. It's a swear, it's an oath. وَلَا سَوْفَ I swear, يُعْتِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى Your Lord is going to give you something you're going to be pleased with. Is this in the life of this dunya or in the akhirah? Or in the hereafter? Both. Allah ta'ala gave me this dunya. Conquest. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me this dunya. The love is love in the hearts of the people. Allah ta'ala plays it. And likewise in the akhirah, Allah gave him a shafa'ah, al-udma, the great intercession that none of the anbiya will have but the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it that the first person that the gates of Jannah will be opened for is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave al-maqam al-mahmood, that praiseworthy station that nobody has but the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْتِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى And this is the end of Mawdu' al-Awwal, which is defense of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The second Mawdu' which is what Mawdu' What's the second Mawdu' Reminding him of his favors upon him from his youth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that أَلَمْ يَجِدْكَ يَتِيمًا They did not find you as an orphan. And Allah ta'ala, awa, he gave you refuge. The Prophet ﷺ was born as a what? An orphan. Whilst he was in the stomach of his mother, his father, Abdullah, passed away. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we go to the seerah, how it happened to be that the Prophet ﷺ ended up with Halima as Sa'diyah. Amazing story. How he ended up, when you go to the seerah, do that homework. How he ended up with Halima as Sa'diyah. That they'd gone everywhere. Everywhere. And nobody wanted the Prophet ﷺ. Halima Sa'diyah, the rest of the women that bred, they had gone everywhere. And those women, they wanted children that were not orphans. Because a child that is an orphan, usually there's no one to support it in terms of wealth and resources. So they wanted children that had a father and a mother. They didn't want the Prophet. <coughs> Halima Sa'diyah went everywhere. All the women got what they want, and the only child that was left for them was who? The Prophet. She said, as soon as they took him, the barakah in their riding amu, the milks they had, everything. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him refuge to Halima as Sa'diyah. And she raised him for four years. And the thing that usually normally happens with orphans, they sent from one home to another home. They're just completely abandoned. But Allah ta'ala gave him refuge with Halima Sa'diyah. And he went back to his mother from the age of four to the age of six. After two years, his mother passed away. At the age of six, Allah, six, Allah ta'ala gave him refuge again. True his grandfather and he stayed with his grandfather the Prophet for another two years till he was eight after this he went to who? Abu Talib and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him refuge and after Bi'tha Allah ta'ala gave him refuge of who? the Ansar did you not find you as an orphan and he gave you refuge throughout your life 
it doesn't mean it was astray to the point of kufr, disbelief. It was unaware of certain things. And what we mean unaware of is the intricate details of the Sharia. Because none of the Anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala committed major sins, not to call kufr. Unaware, as Allah ta'ala said to the Prophet amrina. We reveal to you a revelation from us to you. Before that, you do not have intricate details of the Kitab, the Book of Allah, or Iman, or intricate details of faith, or how to do Hajj, how to pray, and so on and so forth. So Allah Ta'ala says, did you not find you unaware, and we guided you? But here, not we guided you. Here Allah Ta'ala did not say we guided you. Fahada. Allah Ta'ala said, we guided. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala guided him, and he guided through him. That's why it's not Hadad. He guided you, but he guided Meaning he guided you and he guided through you. After that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, And he found you poor and made you rich. Rich or self-sufficient self, uh, or contentment. Or contentment. Because real richness is al-qana'ah. To be self-content. You could have a billion riyals. But if you don't have self-contentment, you are what? You're poor. You could have a billion real, but if you're not self-sufficient, self-sufficient. What do you mean by self-sufficient? That what you have, it suffices you. Not contentment here. You could do it and it suffices you. You're not enslaved to a point you compromise in your principles. You're not enslaved for the sake of employment that to a point you're humiliated. Being, being employed doesn't mean you're not self-sufficient. It means you're self-sufficient. You have the qualifications, you have the necessary skills to be employed. Being employed and not being self-sufficient is being employed where you have to compromise your Islamic principles, your deen, and be humiliated. And be humiliated. So self-sufficiency is when you're not humiliated by your employers, when you're not in a situation you have to compromise your deen. And that's why they say that wisdom is the lost property of the believer. And one wisdom we could take from, it's not hadith, it's not an ayah, it's not even by a Muslim, but it's true, is the statement of Nelson Mandela, who is not a Muslim, who said, I'd rather be a rich, or sorry, I'd rather be a poor free man than to be a rich slave. It is better for you. Not to compromise your deen for the sake of money or employment. And many people, they are enslaved to a point that it makes them do that which is haram by their employment, meaning you're not really self-sufficient. You know? And that's why of recent, a person made a controversial statement, a statement which is not acceptable, and I'm sure you've seen it on the media, which he said that 400 years of slavery transatlantic slavery of the American, African-Americans or the black Americans, to him sounded like a matter of choice. These slaves, if they were captured run away, they cut their ankles, they, they do all sorts of things to them. But what did he mean by this statement? Because this statement was taken out of context. He was talking about self-sufficiency, that these people should have their own businesses, they should have their own industry, but they took that little part of the statement, because you have to be just against Muslim, non-Muslims. They took that part of the statement only, although they shouldn't have made it so loose in general and put it out there. But we're talking about people opening up their own factories, being self-sufficient, and so on and so forth. And if you look at transatlantic slavery, when they made it, some of them, 
and they were taken as slaves. For some of them, it became, unfortunately, due to the conditioning, a matter of choice. For some of them. And that's why a woman, not a man, a woman, Harriet Tubman said, this is a woman that escaped from slavery. And she fleed, she didn't even know where she was going. And this is a normal woman, she fleed, she didn't even know where she was going. And when she made it to the land of the free, she did not just stay in the land of free, what else did she do? She came back to the land of the slaves to rescue more slaves. And you know what she said? She said, I would have rescued a thousand more slaves. If only they knew they were slaves. SubhanAllah. If only they knew they were slaves. So many people think, I've got a degree, I've got a PhD, but they don't realize you are a slave, you're a corporate slave. And you're not really self-sufficient if you're compromising upon your principles. If you're being humiliated. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he found you poor and he made you self-content. He made you have contentment and he made you self-sufficient. May Allah ta'ala give us self-sufficiency. Very important. And that's why many of the ulama, they always push their students, the way they used to teach them fiqh and aqidah, they used to push them to learn trade, to learn business, to learn commerce. And they used to say to their students, the same way they used to teach them and fiqh, to the students of knowledge, that learn trade. That self-sufficiency is from well-being and good health. From well-being and good health. Especially people that study the deen. You don't want to compromise the deen for the sake of dunya. Your stars for the sake of dunya. You don't ever want to do that. And that's why people that graduated in those days, they had a trade, they had a profession. I could not study Islamic law. I could be placed by the government in a certain position. But if other than that, I could not say this is my trade. Yes, a lot of them had their own trade. They had their own, uh, their own uh, profession. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He made you, only you, and whoever follows you. The Muslims, self-sufficient, as he did with the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, that he became self-sufficient, Abdurrahman bin Awf, and many of the Sahaba, and has self-contentment. فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ And this is the end of Mawdu' al-Thani. Now is Mawdu' al-Thani, the third subject matter, which is to, to tell the Prophet to be grateful by following the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَى As for the orphan, do not oppress. Because you yourself was once an orphan. Don't ever oppress the orphan. And those of us who are never orphans, we should always try our best to look after the orphans. And there's many rewards for looking after orph orphans. Like the Prophet ﷺ pointed with his hand. He said, Anna, me, and the one that looks after the orphan, kahatayni fil jannah. We'll be like this in jannah. SubhanAllah. You'll be like this with the Prophet ﷺ. And kafalatun yateen, looking after the orphan, it doesn't mean the five pounds a month you give to a charity. Because these charities, because of a lack sometimes of Islamic knowledge, they'll put posters out there like sponsor or orphan. Kafala this is not sponsoring an orphan. Orphan means you take care of it, not the five pound a month you're sending to them. It means to really foster an orphan and look after him. Jayid, so kafala to your even if you could give charity, give charity. Because the money to many of these orphans, wallahi ikhwan, is not the money that means anything to them. You know what means something to an orphan? The love. And that's why you look at the sunnah. 
that stroking the head of an orphan for every single hair on his head that you strike or you touch is a reward for you. When I lived in Saudi Arabia, I used to go to Darul Aitan, the orphanage. In Saudi Arabia, it's a rich country, mashallah. So it's not that they're looking money for orphans. They have iPads, they have all the luxury. But when you go to this orphanage, the way these kids, they jump upon you and they hug you. They just want love from you. It's not the wealth only. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, do not oppress the orphans. And for the one that asks, do not shout at him or repulse him, the beggar. And there's two types of asking. They say, the one that asks concerning knowledge. Even if the question sounds crazy, unreasonable, dumb. Somebody put it out there in the media the other day, when it was before it was asked questions, said, please do not ask me no dumb questions. And he's a great CEO, if, you, if you're a person that follows the media. He said, don't ask me any dumb questions. But in Islam, even if it sounds dumb to you, stupid to you, do not repulse anybody, allow them to ask. And also the beggar, do not repulse the beggar. Even if he asks in the wrong way. Like in the masjid, some people stand up, you try to do your dhikr. Immediately stands up. Brothers, da, 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 da. you should seek the permission of the Imam. And in some places, they have a law. Beggars are not allowed to just do that in the masjid. If you have a sincere need, speak to the Imam, let him announce it. You're disturbing people's salah and you're making people cringe sometimes with embarrassment. I've seen situations where people have a child in their hand, and maybe the child has severe burns, and they pull up the child's thing and let everyone see all of that. Or a child who's severely disabled, they lay out by the door. You know? These kind of things, even if it's not done properly, or situation where I've seen where some of them are coming and say, I need medical help. And people have taken them a car to give them medical help, but that's not really what they want. And you suspect he's a liar or he's a con man, you're still not allowed to shout at him. You're not allowed to shout at him. If you want to correct them, correct them in a nice way. Like, remember Shaykh Uthman Khamis, Hafizullah, mentioning that once he was in a car and these children came up to them, as they do if you go to parts of Africa, that they come give me money, give me money. Seven, eight children. How do you repel this now? So he said the person in the car with him, whilst the children were begging for money, begging for money, he said, he put his hand out as well. Give me money, give me money, give me money, give me money. And he came back to this is the children thought that this is not right. And they left. And then he told Shaykh Uthman Khamis, Do not shout at one who asks, but repel them in a nice way. Especially girls. Especially girls. When you find these female beggars, the girls, Try and correct them in a nice way. Because for a girl or a man to beg, if you're desperate, you will. But for Tom to make a, a profession, a trade, you've lost all shyness. And in most cases, that which I don't want to mention, it leads the girls to these other acts. But correct them, but do not shout at them. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ended the ayah by saying, وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّهِ The surah, afwan. And as for and proclaim the grace of your Lord. They say proclaim the grace of your Lord is to attribute everything to Allah that's good in your life. That this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not due to your cleverness, not due to your hard work. Everything that happens to you is good to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They say to proclaim the grace of your Lord is to show, the second tafsir, to show the grace of your Lord. Meaning if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed you with wealth, do not dress or look like a packet of crisp. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed you with wealth, show and proclaim the favor of your Lord in that which you eat, in your cars, in your house, not to be extravagant, but show, Allah has blessed you, show it. Because of the Prophet sallallahu said, Inna Allah yuhib, Allah loves, an yara ni'matahu ala abdi, 
to see his favors upon his servant. So proclaiming the favor of your Lord is two things. Return everything to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And secondly, to show the favor apparently. Make it apparent to people. And the greater favor of Allah ta'ala upon us is what? Ni'matul Islam. So the fact that Allah ta'ala has guided us in Islam or trying to practice Islam, we should always attribute that back to Allah. It's only by the favor of Allah ta'ala we're here, even sitting here right now in this class. While some people are doing other things that are sinful and wrong, is the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He's guided us to the sunnah. And not our hard work, not our cleverness, not our piety. And also we should make this what? Apparent. And that's why from the sunnah of Jum'ah, the favor of Allah upon us is what? When you go back, take different routes for people to see this. Eid. The favor of Allah Azza wa Jal. Wear the best of your clothing. Let people know there's something happening today. The takbirat, you do an Eid. Let people hear it. In many of these countries, I don't know how it is in Nigeria, but I remember Nigeria as a, growing up as a kid. I went there when I was four years old, and that's the only Eid I remember. I'm 44 now. That's the Eids which I remember. The noise, the place is rocking with takbirat. Even the non-Muslims, they know something is happening. I remember the non-Muslim students would ask me. They knew when Eid Adha was. Everybody asked, when are you going to bring the meat tomorrow? Are you bringing us meat tomorrow? They, it shows. Show the favor of your Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the end of Surah Al-Duha. Next week, we'll be in Isra wal Mi'raj. And that will be the last lesson, inshallah. And uh, it will be a lesson which I didn't see Salman today, but we're going to be presenting the gifts to the student. For Salman, number one, who's mashallah ta'ala been a very good student. And we're giving away a qalam, we're giving away a perfume, and the next gift should be something which you could keep all your notes in. Not to praise him in front of his face. Sometimes I take over the class of fiqh on Tuesdays, you know. And every class, it comes with a pen, it comes with a paper. So we want to give you something that you could keep all these notes in permanently. Yes? It won't be an iPad Pro, but <laughs> some of you can keep these notes in permanently. But it'll be similar, inshallah. All your notes will be there, because I make many notes, and you lose them. And years later, you're given a good khutbah, a good lesson, you don't have those papers. When you have something electrically like this, that will keep it on a cloud, it makes a big difference. And notes do not underestimate the benefits of notes. The blacker your book is, the more note there is in it. Always make notes. So we present it, and also to some other brothers, who deserve to be presented with something. And one of them will be a surprise, inshallah. So, subhanakallah, bihamdika, shalom, la ilaha, and